If swing was jazz that went to the public with open arms, bebop was jazz that seemed to have turned its back on its audience. Many of the leading swing musicians in the 1940s felt personally insulted. Tommy Dorsey even told Downbeat Magazine that bebop has set music back 20 years. Even the genial Louis Armstrong broke into rare reproof when he talked about those weird chords which don't mean nothing and you got no melody to remember, no beat to dance to. After the dust settled, musicians and the public perceived that bebop did not really sound so different. And nearly 50 years after it settled, Charlie Parker's saxophone solos will swirl behind restaurant conversations and Thelonious Monk's Round Midnight is heard anywhere from the supermarket to a classical pianist recording of great 20th century compo- compositions. While advanced musicians like Art Tatum and Coleman Hawkins understood the fundamentals of bebop, and others like Lester Young, trumpeter Roy Eldridge, pianist Count Basie, Clyde Hart, and drummer Joe Jones were barely a step away from playing it, it was that step that was the hardest to take. In the end, it needed the fresh energy of newcomers, with reputations yet to invent and less to lose. This was the coterie of young swing sidemen who met in after-hours joints in New York. No single one of them, not even Charlie, Yardbird, Parker himself had imagined the future architecture of bebop, whole and perfect. They were bored, talented, and rebellious, and they lived for playing. Each one of them heard a fragment of the future. It was when they came together that modern jazz was really born. Welcome to Bebop or Be Square here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast, our spotlight on bebop music. Let's get to some music. Thank you. 
Welcome in to the very first edition of Bebop or B-Square here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast. What we just heard there was Max is Making Wax by Charlie Parker on the Complete Dial series, Disc 1. Of course, Max in the title is referring to the great jazz drummer Max Roach, who is a jazz god on the drums and before that we heard from the great Fats Navarro or Navarro whichever way you want to put it who died tragically young Uh, a lot of bebop guys unfortunately died tragically young and we'll get into that as we get into um, deeper episodes I think this is going to be a long continual series but um just a lot of great music and the second track that we heard in the middle there was one of my absolute favorite bebop tunes it's called nostalgia it was one of lee morgan's favorites as well but that was by the great fats navarro navarro and um it comes from his album nostalgia so a phenomenal album tons of great tunes but that one is just got such great such great characteristics to it and of course it's based off of the chord changes to out of no out of nowhere so um yeah which we're going to get into explaining in a little bit uh we started off the set with the classic 1942 recording of charlie parker himself playing cherokee now this uh was him actually playing the melody to Cherokee and one of his very first recorded solos on Cherokee. And what's important about that is that he would later go on to change the melody of Cherokee and supplement the melody to a song called Coco in place of the melody of Cherokee and then start improvising over the same chord changes. That's kind of what I alluded to in the intro to Bebop or B-Square here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast. So we're turning over a new leaf. We've got a new 
set of ideas going on. Um, if you want to check out some great books on Bebop, let me s- suggest to you Bebop, The Music and Its Players by Thomas Owens. Phenomenal book, a lot of musical examples. you got to love it. And you can actually find on Amazon, whether you like it or not, Inside Bebop by Leonard Feather, the great jazz critic himself, who actually was one of the few staunch supporters of the music when a lot of the swing cats like Louis Armstrong and Tommy Dorsey and Eddie Condon were against it at first. Louis Armstrong eventually came around. I don't know about Dorsey and Condon, but Eddie Condon used to say that um, they flat our fi- their fifths, we drink ours. <laughs> Like uh, like a good drunk would. So, no, I love Eddie Condon. But you got to have enough room in your heart for a lot of different styles and a lot of different things. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad, y'all. So, we got a lot more Bebop coming out for you. Stick around. Hopefully, this will uh, get some people's attention. And... Uh, This is one of the top bebop songs of all time. This is from the great John Burke's Dizzy Gillespie. Here is Groovin' High. Thank you. 
Mr. Bob himself, the great bird, Jolly Parker, and the All-Stars with a new sound in modern progressive jazz. And right now, one you all remember that Bird, Dizzy, and Al Haig made and Curly Russell long time ago for Gill, the thing called Hot House. Great bebop in that set right there. Started off that set with Groovin' High by the great Dizzy Gillespie, featuring Charlie Parker, of course, and Dizzy Gillespie. That's the thing, too. You're going to have to remember, not all of these things are going to be so uh, variably different because a lot of these cats play with each other and on each other's albums. So on many Dizzy Gillespie albums, they're going to be featuring Charlie Parker, and on many Charlie Parker albums are going to be featuring Dizzy Gillespie. It's just the way that it was. So there you have it. Um, but that was off of Dizzy Gillespie's album, Groovin' High, on Savoy. And uh, phenomenal album. Every track is 
just standout, stellar, superstar track. And Groovin' High is one of those that even people who don't really care for bebop love or can latch on to. Let's put it this way. So if you're listening to this, you're obviously interested in bebop, curious about bebop, or you love bebop. And that's okay. We welcome all bop clientele. <laughs> so, um, but if if you were a, a bop enthusiast, so to speak, and you wanted to introduce somebody who you didn't think might like bebop into the world of bebop, play them something like Groove and High. That melody is the perfect kind of thing because it's got bop elements, but it's got enough of a simple melody that people can latch onto it. Bada, bada. So there you go. Just with that, you know. All right. After that, we heard the tune Bebop, actually from the Royal Roost recordings featuring Charlie Parker. And what's really cool about that is at the end of that uh, track, you got to hear Symphony Sid Torin, who just went by the moniker Symphony Sid. Uh, a song was actually written about him, Jumpin' with Symphony Sid. Uh, but that was from a live broadcast from the Royal Roost. And what's really cool about the Royal Roost, real quick, a story here, is that the Royal Roost was a bebop jazz club that was formerly a chicken shack restaurant in New York City, right near the New York Metropolitan Opera House. And a bunch of these guys, uh, I think Symphony Sid is one of the main ones, bought out this chicken shack and wanted to turn it into a jazz club, like a modern jazz club. And he named it the Royal Roost, Roost coming from the fact that it used to be a chicken shack, and considering its location so close to the Metropolitan Opera House, its moniker became the Royal Roost, the Metropolitan Bopra House. B-O-P-E-R-A. Bopra. They were actually playing a word off of opera in order to get people to come in and check it out. Regardless, many great broadcasts were featured from the Royal Roost. Many great recordings were made at the Royal Roost. And Herman Leonard, of course, the great jazz photographer, made many important shots. Of great pictures from the Royal Roost. That included Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker, Miles Davis, etc. So, that's your little factoid about the Royal Roost. And then we ended that set with the great Bud Powell, who is one of the founding fathers of bebop on the piano. He could play those exact same lines that Charlie Parker played, but on the piano, which is a lot harder, I might add. Um, and to give you a little bit more about Bud Powell and how important he was and just how awesome he was, I'm going to include right now a little uh, snippet in which the great saxophone player Jackie McLean talks about Bud Powell in Paris. But in France, uh, like one day I was there and Bud Powell lived in the street and he would leave his house and be walking and uh, sort of looking like he was 
a million miles away, I always said uh, that Monk and Bud are in a state of grace all the time. You know, they're beyond things earthly. And, uh, and when Bud, the traffic in Paris, you know, is like a, a race. And the cop would see him coming, the policeman, and he'd dash to the middle of the street and stop the traffic so that Bud could cross the street. And Bud didn't have to signal him or stop and wait at the curb. The minute Bud reached that curb and his foot stepped off, the traffic had stopped. And he would cross the street, not running, just at his same pace. And when he was well up on the other side and heading down the street, traffic would start up again, man. And I just said to myself, God, man, look at that. And it's over here in Paris, man. And they don't do that for anybody. You know, they, they, this man did it because he, he knew Bud and uh, would see him, kind of knew who he was, a great artist. Great anecdote from Jackie McLean about the great Bud Powell in Paris. Uh, that comes from the documentary Jackie McLean on Mars. If you haven't seen it, it's only about 30 minutes. Highly suggest it for you. Uh, it'll give you some love and appreciation for Jackie McLean. Um, got some more great music coming at you. By the way, just wanted to let you know, if you want to find out what albums these great bebop classics are coming from, just check out the website, Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast, all one word, dot WordPress Dot com. You can check our website out there. Love to hear from you. Make a suggestion. Free. Feel free to email us from that website. Or you can go on iTunes and write a review. Would love to hear from you. Love some suggestions. Tell us if you hate the podcast. Tell us if you love the podcast. Tell us some ideas that you would love to hear as themes and topics. Always looking for great ideas. So let's get to some more music. Up next milestones not that milestones the first milestones featuring charlie parker and a very young miles davis from the album the immortal charlie parker you're listening to the dr jazz podcast Thank you. 
Bob. Dizzy Gillespie with Ubop Shabam. <laughs> if you can believe it, that is the title of the song, Ubop Shabam. And that comes from his album, again, Groovin' High, killer album. Glad I got to share another track with you. Um, yeah, Ubop Shabam. I mean, the fact that you can make a melody out of that incredible before that we heard from the high priest of bop himself Thelonious Sphere Monk we heard Bimsha Swing which is one of my favorite songs by Thelonious Monk I mean there's hundreds literally hundreds of songs that I love by Thelonious Monk I mean Evidence Thelonious you know Baya Monk's Dream you know all of them but Bimsha Swing is just a special groovy tune. It's just, it's this little figure and it's got just a, a cool way that it walks down and then it does it up a fourth. And then, anyway, me and my buddy Rob used to play this song all the time. We would quote it 
to each other in the middle of solos all the time as well. Uh, but yeah, Bimsha Swing, this particular rendition comes from uh, the self-entitled album, Thelonious Monk plays, you know, Thelonious Monk on Prestige. Um, just killer, killer, killer groove. Um, before that, we open up the set, of course, with Milestones, the very first Milestones, uh, featuring Charlie Parker and Miles Davis from the album, The Immortal Charlie Parker. Now, if there's one thing you need to learn about Bebop, it is the fact that it is a world full of nicknames, monikers, titles, etc. If you thought the swing era was all that in a bag of chips with all the royalty names, King Oliver, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Earl, Father Hines, you know what I mean? Jelly Roll, Lord Jelly Roll Morton, you know, uh, Mr. Jelly Lord, all those sort of things. Um, the Bebop era in the 1940s uh, took that to a whole nother level. You had a guy named John Burks Gillespie, who was known as Dizzy Gillespie. You had Charles Parker, Charlie Parker, that was known as Bird, short for Yardbird. And the reason for that is actually because, <laughs> quick story on that one, uh, is because a lot of people say, oh, it's because he, his solos were like a bird, you know, it's like limitless and all that. It's like, yeah, 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 whatever, you don't know. So <laughs> what the real deal is, is that he was with the J. McShan Band uh, in Kansas City, and they would have many gigs that they would have to go to, you know, and, and drive to. And not all the time did they have the money to rent out a bus. So they would just like pile three or four guys in a car, Another three, four guys in a car. Another three, four guys in a car at a time. They took like three or four cars to whatever gig. Well, on one of those gigs, the car that Charlie Parker was in with the rest of the dudes from the band actually hit a bird, a yard bird. And Charlie Parker says, what are you doing, man? Don't don't keep driving. Go back, go back, go back, go back. And they're like, what are you talking about, man? He said, no, 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 no. Go back, go back. Pull off, go back. So they go back. Charlie Parker gets out of the car, picks up this bird, this dead bird, roadkill, if you will, right? That they just hit in this tank of a car. And <laughs> he keeps it in the trunk. And when they get to the house of the family that they were staying at, he asked the wife of whatever family that was if she would cook up this bird and the fact that they could have it for dinner after the gig or before the gig or whatever you know and sure as shit this lady agrees and she cooks up this bird and and Charlie Parker and the dudes in that car had a feast it was almost like a thanksgiving size bird like a turkey almost size you know? so they nicknamed him from that point forward yard bird and then Bird for short. There you go. Now Thelonious Monk, Thelonious Sphere Monk is his full name. And he did not give himself that name. That was not a stage name. That was a true birth name. Thelonious Sphere Monk. 
born in North Carolina. Uh, let's see. <laughs> of course, Miles Davis just goes by Miles. Uh, Max Roach is just Max. Uh, Bud is Bud Powell. You know, so there's a lot of these guys that are just, it, it makes sense. You know, Fats Navarro, he was quite an overweight dude. Uh, his real name was Theodore Navarro, uh, but he went by Fats Navarro. So there you go. Um, yeah, Tad Dameron and all of them. So lots of great dudes, you know what I mean? I mean, I could go on, but I, I want to get to more music. I just wanted to let you know that there are many nicknames in the bebop world. So there you have it. Uh, so let's get to some more music. Uh, this is another one that comes from that great album, Groovin' High from Dizzy Gillespie off Savoy. This is all the things you are, but it's what they have an intro between him and Charlie Parker called the Bird of Paradise intro, and it would eventually be renamed Bird of Paradise. Bebop or B-square.
sell peanuts. Sell peanuts, sell peanuts. Sell peanuts, sell peanuts. Sell peanuts, sell peanuts.
Lady of Song right there. The first Lady of Song is Ella Fitzgerald singing How High the Moon with a wonderful scat rendition of a solo. And you could hear traces of what was the bebop melody over over the standard How High the Moon, which was Ornithology. And of course, Ornithology is the city of birds, which is a nod to Charlie Bird Parker. And it was one of his tunes, so you got to hear the studio version of that by Miss Ella Fitzgerald. Ella was a great champion of bebop scatting, and she was one of those that really was one of the glue that helped usher in the fact that bebop was not a bunch of bohemian hooligans trying to cause anarchy and chaos everywhere uh you forget or you may remember either way uh that ella was the lead singer for the chick webb band back in the swing days when even chick webb's band would have a battle of the bands with benny goodman's band so i mean old time swing band right there classic swing band chick webb's band straight out of harlem playing at the savoy and, um, yeah, so Ella, coming from that background and becoming a, of course, top-notch vocalist, but somebody who embraced the whole bebop aesthetic of being a wonderful soloist, she took that exact idea but used her voice uh, almost as if it were a horn, and scattered all those great solos. So you got to hear How High the Moon uh, with Ella. And before that, we heard Dizzy Gillespie, two tracks from his album, Groove and High. On Savoy, we heard Salt Peanuts, in which you heard Dizzy Gillespie on the vocals himself going, Salt Peanuts, Salt Peanuts. <laughs> and 
uh, that was the tune that drove a lot of young uh, newcomers into the bebop circles. And, of course, before that, we heard All the Things You Are uh, with a Bird of Paradise intro on the piano. That was not exactly the same recording I thought it was going to be. I thought there was another recording, so I'll have to do another version of um, Bebop or B-Square and include the one with the horns. Uh, but it's the same figure, uh, regardless. Um, like I said, a lot of young folks were not wanting to necessarily go down the swing jazz route, and they wanted something new, something exciting, something you know crazy, something different, something brazen, something rebellious, and so they gravitated towards bebop. And, of course, as I said in the opening statement, that bebop was music for listening, not music for dancing. Although Dizzy might argue that on some point. But regardless, there was a whole swath of young folks who wanted fresh new sounds. Not your typical commercial sounds that were heard in the 20s and 30s. So they wanted something different. Different rhythms, different melodies, different instruments, different vibe, different everything. And... What happened was Bebop came along about the same time that the record ban happened due to World War II. And all these young cats were going after hours and pushing the music and pushing the envelope of the music further and further and further. And the style kind of developed over time called Bebop with really intense harder harmonic chord changes and these you know things called flatted fifths you know which Eddie Cano was making fun of but they were part of the music like you really had to be a working theorist in order to play bebop it was truly like the after hours kind of mentality on steroids because it was like no 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 this is the feature this is not the after show this is the feature is this kind of music and it, it kind of caught a lot of people off guard because you really couldn't dance to a lot of it. And then came the fashion sense because these guys were wearing very suave clothes and they had these odd little accents, these odd hats like berets or you know sunglasses or you know goatees or soul patches or mustaches and dark glasses and all these strange things, but rather than hear me talk about it, here's Dizzy Gillespie himself talking about bebop. You know, most of it did sound like that. I mean, the uh, the phrases mostly ended in that expression, so. The media just picked picked up on it, I guess. Because I don't I don't remember anyone naming it that. Really? No. I remember they say we playing bebop. The oh. me it was just jazz music, that's all. Uh, I know I didn't. But after they, after they had become popular and say Dizzy Gillespie King of Bebop. 
And I said, well, okay. I had a little thing, a little hat, bebop hat, bebop glasses, you know. Think of. By the time we got around to the Apollo, like in 45, with my band, it was about ready for it. You see a lot of, uh, of the young kids with berets. Some of them had painted goatees on their lip. And uh, they were jumping around and things like that. Yeah, they, they were with us. Now, while you fellows are getting us up there, I better tell the public that uh, 
we're going to have some really torrid tempo with Charlie Parker, the alto sax, and uh, Diz at the uh, trumpet, and Dick Hyman's at the piano. They're going to play, what is it? I think it's Hot House. Hot House? Hot House. Okay, fellas, let's go.
right, that was the great bop drummer Kenny Clark with his ensemble playing 52nd Street theme composed by Thelonious Monk. And that is from his Chronological Classics album, Kenny Clark, 1946 to 1948. What makes 52nd Street so important? It was the street. It was known as Swing Street. It was where you could go to Jimmy Ryan's and you could go to the Three Deuces and you could go to all these great jazz clubs, one after another after another, right in a row. And you could hear Art Tatum or Charlie Parker or Coleman Hawkins or Oscar Pettiford or Jack Teagarden, any of these guys, right? If you wanted music in New York City, 52nd Street was it. So, it was known as The Street. That's all that there was to it. Um, Before that, we heard the audio from a broadcast um, of Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker winning, um, I believe it was a Downbeat Award is what they said, and there was this guy, Earl something, who was highly racist, um... According to Chan Parker, Charlie Parker's wife, saying that, you know, if you go and you look for the video of it, there is video footage. It is some of the few, if, yeah, the the few rare um, video footage of Charlie Parker playing. And he's with Dizzy Gillespie and Dick Hyman's at the piano. And you could, and Leonard Feather's in the background, but you could just see, uh, according to Chan, the looks that Charlie Parker gave Earl, uh, who was presenting them the, these awards and everything, you know, and calling them boys and everything like that. So, you boys got anything else to say? <laughs> you know? So, um, and of course, Bird and Diz both just blistering hell for leather solos. Just, oh my God. Um, so that's one of my absolute favorite versions of that song, which we heard in the middle of that set, which is the Tad Dameron classic, Hot House, which is based on the chord changes of the Cole Porter song, What Is This Thing Called Love? And then we started off the set with Bebopper from Charles Mingus from his debut uh, box set, debut records box set. Um a vocal tune called Bebopper uh, right after Dizzy Gillespie talking about uh, the, the origins of the name Bebop and its fashion and it's just a fitting time to throw that song in there I thought because they're talking about berets and gold trim on their glasses you know and um, how you know so and so has eyes for this you know, and it's part of the, the slang and the terminology back then, you know. To say you have eyes for something uh, means that you want it. So, to sit there and say, man, you know, I got eyes for that gal, you know. Or, I got eyes for that Charlie Parker record, you know. That means you really want that Charlie Parker record. So, hopefully all of you have eyes for the Dr. Jazz podcast. There you go. Uh, let's get to another set. Here is uh, one of the great jazz anthems. Here is Sonny Rollins with Miles Davis playing 
Olio. Thank you. 
right. The immortal Clifford Brown with Max Roach off their album, Clifford Brown and Max Roach. We heard Joy Spring, which is one of the great vehicles of jazz improvisation utilizing the bebop language. And Clifford was one of the most eloquent spokespeople of the bebop language, no doubt. Uh, And gone too soon. Uh, Before that, we heard the great Dexter Gordon from his album More Power with the song Fried Bananas. And once again, Fried Bananas is a song that completely uses the bebop language and vernacular in a very eloquent style. And Dexter, in fact, is one of the ones that came back after he expated, expatriated from the United States to Europe. He came back in the late 70s, early 80s, and helped usher in a resurgence of classic jazz using that exact same kind of language of bebop within his improvisations. And he would come back uh, along with Woody Shaw by his side at the Village Vanguard. And that was the Homecoming album. And he stayed here and then he made Round Midnight, the movie with Herbie Hancock and all that and the rest is history. But... um, Dexter Gordon, by far one of the greatest uh, beboppers that there were. Maybe not a founding father, per se, like Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, but definitely one of the best practitioners, just like Clifford Brown. And then we started off that set with the great Miles Davis with Sonny Rollins. And Sonny Rollins' composition, Olio, from Miles Davis's album Bags Groove off of the Prestige um, albums, you know, uh, or OJC if you collect the CDs, because that's kind of what I do. Um, and a whole host of great names on that album. So uh, we got about one more set here before we wrap up. We've got some great ones coming at you. Here is a take of the serpent's tooth from miles davis's album collector's items in which miles is of course on the trumpet but on the tenor saxophone is the great charlie parker not on alto but on tenor made a few short months i believe before he passed away so here is charlie parker on the tenor miles davis on the trumpet playing Serpent's Tooth. You're listening to the Dr. Jazz Podcast.
Benjamin.
All right, that was the bebop anthem, A Night in Tunisia. And that is by far, in my opinion, one of the best versions because that is Diz and Bird live at Carnegie Hall. And it's just got one of the most famous breaks for Charlie Parker's solo. It's just killer all the way around. Before that, we heard Shulia Bop from The Divine One, Miss Sarah Vaughn, who is another vocalist who embraced the whole bebop culture, language, nomenclature, vocally, and helped it champion its cause. And that was Sarah Vaughn from her album Swingin' Easy with Julia Bop. And then we started off the set with Miles Davis from his album Collector's Items with The Serpent's Tooth. Well, this has been a different experience, a different experiment, and hopefully you dug it. Bebop or B-Square, a new series from the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Please don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Leave a comment on iTunes, a review. Don't forget you can also find us on SoundCloud. And don't forget to check out the website, Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Podcast.wordpress.com. Tell your friends. Tell anybody who might be remotely interested in jazz. And we thank you for it, and we love you madly. And until next time, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, y'all be good now, because in jazz, we trust.